Hey friends, happy Friday. Welcome back to the Bibles, Babies, and Business podcast. Everything kind of got shifted back one day this week because of Labor Day. So instead of this episode coming to you on Thursday, it's actually coming to you on Friday. But nevertheless, I'm super pumped for this episode because we're we're getting pretty deep here. I have a couple questions for you. Have you ever wondered why it seems like Christians are constantly suffering, especially in business, and it seems like non-believers are actually thriving in business? Like when you look at the biggest names in the business industry, it's not really common to see those names professing their faith in Christ. When in reality, Christians are supposed to have the advantage, right? Like we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us to lead us down the right path and give us divine wisdom in all areas of our life, including our businesses. So because that is true, why then does it seem like we Christians are on the struggle bus with our businesses? Well, today we're going to be doing a Bible study breakdown inside of the book of Job to try and understand why this is happening and answer the question, why do so many Christians suffer in business? Friend, I need you to grab your Bible and buckle up because this episode is about to get deep. Are you ready? Hey mama, welcome to Bibles, Babies, and Business. Are you ready to start an online biz, quit your nine to five, and stay home with your kids? Are you up late at night Googling online business ideas, how to market myself, and how to get my first paying client? Do you have lots of ideas but feel overwhelmed when trying to figure out which ones to focus on so you can move your business forward? Hey there, I'm Cammie. I'm a Christian, a wife, and a soon-to-be mom. A few years ago, I too felt drained by my day job and wished I could find a way to make money online. I wanted time freedom and the financial freedom to be a stay-at-home mom, but imposter syndrome kept creeping in and telling me, you could never make enough money doing that. And what if you do try and you fail? But then I discovered how to build an online coaching business from home. In this podcast, you'll find biblical principles for the Christian entrepreneur, online marketing tips to help you start and build an online coaching business from home and a whole lot of mom life because we're doing it all with a baby on our hip. So grab your Bible, snuggle your baby, and let's build your business because you were made for this. Now, before we dive into the Bible study breakdown part of this episode, I want to read you a client testimonial from my client, Katie, who is currently inside of my course, the Mom Boss Coaching Academy. And again, the Mom Boss Coaching Academy is my self-paced course taking you step-by-step on how to start and build a profitable online coaching business using Instagram so that you can get more high ticket coaching clients and increase your income in your business. And this is what Katie said. Since connecting with Cami on Instagram and beginning her course, I finally have clear direction in my business. I've attempted to start my business in the past and just felt so overwhelmed and without direction, so I gave up. Cami's course has helped me to truly hear what the Lord has for me and the direction he's taking me in my business. My heart is for service and love, so finding Cami's faith-based teaching has provided me the genuine support I needed to get momentum. I am so thankful for this wealth of knowledge as I am just getting started in my business and cannot wait to see where the Lord takes me as I continue to implement each step in the process. 
Friend, the process inside of the Mom Boss Coaching Academy is unlike anything that you've ever seen before. And you need to know that the price for the course is going to be going up by $400 on October 1st. So if you've had your eye on the Mom Boss Coaching Academy course, which I know that you have because I can see how many of you click the Mom Boss Coaching Academy link, you need to know that the clock is ticking. Scroll down in the show notes, click on the Mom Boss Coaching Academy link and join before the price goes up. Let me teach you step by step how to get more high ticket coaching clients in your business so that you can increase your income, quit your nine to five job and stay home with your littles. It would be my pleasure to coach you and serve you in that way. And I'll see you inside of the Mom Boss Coaching Academy. Okay, y'all, we need to address the elephant in the room, okay? When we look at all the super successful coaches online, on Instagram, doesn't it kind of feel like maybe not a whole lot of them are Christians? Like, and it's not even just the coaching industry, but like the business world in general. Like when you look at the wealthiest businessmen and businesswomen in the world, why are we not seeing a reflection of the church? It kind of feels like Christians are struggling in the business department, but why, why is that? So today, like I mentioned, we're going to be diving into the book of Job. Now, let me give you just, just, just a little sneak peek, just a quick summary here of the book of Job. I encourage you to go and read the entire book. It's a fascinating book of the Bible. It's a really complex book and you are really, I know that you are going to be on the edge of your seat inside this book, but let me just give you a little glimpse into the book. So the Bible says that Job is a blameless man. He's a man of integrity. He feared God and he stayed away from evil. In addition to this, he was also wildly wildly successful and wealthy. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 team of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. The Bible says he was, in fact, the richest person in that area. So let me just pause right here and say that being wealthy and rich in and of itself is not evil. Being wealthy, being rich is not a sin, but many Christians have it twisted in their heads that somehow being rich or having a lot of money or being wealthy is a sin. And right there, I believe is one of the reasons why Christians tend to struggle in business because it is really hard to have a financially successful business if deep down you believe that money is somehow making you bad or that having money in your bank account makes you evil. In fact, there were many godly people in the Bible who were incredibly rich. Just to name a few of them, Abraham, King David, Job, we'll talk about him today, Solomon. Solomon, he was actually noted to be the richest man in the world. It is not a sin to be wealthy. It's not a sin to be a six-figure, seven-figure business owner. It is not a sin to have a lot of money. First Timothy 6, 9 through 10 says, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the truth and pierced, or excuse me, wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, as I read those scriptures as a believer and and as a business owner, reading that is, it's like kind of (laughs) scary. Like it sounds like really, 
really intense, really intimidating reading those verses. And at face value, if we don't dig deeper at face value, it kind of makes me want to run away from any opportunity to make money because it feels like in that passage, oh my gosh, well, like money must be evil. But if we look deeper, friends, into this verse and into these passages, what it's actually highlighting is the desire and love of money. In other words, when money is an idol in your life, that's when we get into hot water. Money itself is neutral. We can use it for good. We can use it for evil. But money is neutral. It's our desire, it's our love behind the money, our lust for it, that makes it evil. So I want to just stop right there because that's where many of us are getting hung up. We have this belief system that, oh my gosh, uh, it's evil to have money. And again, it's really hard to be successful in business if you are believing the lie that money is evil. Money's not evil. It's neutral. It's your love of it. It's the desire. It's the lust. It's the, um, it's, it's running away from all your morals and your values in order to get more money. That is evil. Okay. So anyway, coming back to the book of Job one day, and again, I'm, I'm recapping the book of Job here. Satan approached the Lord and says that basically the only reason why Job is so faithful to the Lord is because the Lord has made Job prosperous in all he does. Like that's Satan's accusation to the Lord. And he says, hey, God, you know, I bet if you take away Job's health, his wealth and his family, I bet he won't be faithful to you anymore. And to sum up a long story in a short amount of time, again, I encourage you to go read the book of Job, but just to sum it up here, God allows Satan to test Job's faith by taking away Job's health, Job's wealth, and his family to see if Job would still be faithful to the Lord, even without all of these material things and even uh, without the blessing of his family. And again, long story short, Job did remain faithful. But the people around him, however, started to question and make assumptions as to why they thought God had allowed Job's health, his wealth, and his family to disappear. A little side note here, be careful the people that you surround yourself with, even people who claim to be believers. Because what you'll find here in the book of Job is that there were many people that approached Job and accused him of things that he never actually did. And these people were believers. So discernment with the community that you are surrounding yourself with. Okay, moving on. So like I said, Job's friends and even Job's wife were completely unaware that there was a spiritual battle going on here. Like Job himself was even unaware of this. And because they didn't know that Satan was accusing Job of only being faithful because of his prosperity and God was trying to prove Satan wrong in this, they have complete unawareness and thus a lot of frustration as to trying to understand why is this happening? Because as humans, we feel like we always need to have an answer for everything. Like if something's going haywire, we want to know why. When we are presented with a situation that seems to have no logical answer, we tend to create one. And that's what Job's friends did. Basically, they accused Job of sinning against God and that that was why his wealth, his health, and his family were taken away. However, Job rejected this notion because he knew that he'd been faithful to the Lord. So he pleaded his case with God and he demanded an answer from him. Side note, 
God is big enough to handle your emotions. We don't have to hide from him. We don't have to hide from God what we're actually feeling because the truth is he knows anyway. So just like you would want your child to come to you with their big feelings and talk them out with you, God wants you to come to him with your big feelings and your small feelings and every feeling in between and talk with him about it. So that's what Job did. And after Job pleaded his case with the Lord, the Lord basically answered Job by saying, Job, you have no idea why I do the things that I do. Job, your human mind cannot comprehend the vastness of God's glory and God's power. And I'm going to read to you Job 38, 1 through 7. Starting in at verse 1, it says, Then the Lord answered Job from a whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundation? Who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. The Lord goes on for a while, honestly, in this passage, talking about all the intricate details of the earth and how he wove the universe together with his greatness. So much so that we humans in our limited understanding could not possibly comprehend this. And after explaining all of this to Job, Job humbles himself and basically says, God, you're right. I had no right to question you. I'm sorry. You are Lord. You are all knowing. You are all powerful. I am not. And after Job humbles himself, the Lord restores Job's health, his wealth, and his family. So now I want to read to you Job chapter 42, verses 10 through 17. I'm going to show you how the Lord restores. It says, when Job prayed for his friends, those were the friends that accused him, okay? So side note here, God wants us to pray for the people who are accusing us. It says, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers, sisters, and former friends came and feasted with him in his home, and they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. And each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. So the Lord had blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more in the beginning. And remember, friends, Job was wildly wealthy. Like he was the richest person in that area at the time. And it says that the Lord uh, blessed him even more in the second half of his life than he did in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a thousand team of oxen, and a thousand female donkeys. That's double what he had before. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters, just as he had before. He named his first daughter Jemimiah, the second Keziah, and the third Karen Hapah. Karen Hapuk, Hap, sorry, friends. Sometimes these names in the Bible are hard to pronounce. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job, and their father put them into his will along with their brothers. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died, an old man who lived a long, full life. Friend, the book of Job helps us to understand and put into perspective why we as Christians suffer in our health, in areas of business, just honestly in areas of life. And I have a few points, a couple revelations that I want to share with you, kind of my big takeaways from this. Uh, Number one, 
there are spiritual battles going on around us that we cannot see and we do not fully understand. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and the heavenly places. So there may be a very real spiritual battle against your business. Because as believers, we are a threat to the enemy because we profess the name of Jesus. And because it is a threat to the enemy that we profess the name of Jesus, we become the enemy's target. The enemy, he does not have to worry about people who are not submitted to Christ because he knows like, okay, yeah, yeah, they may be rich. They may be famous. They may have a lot of influence, but I know that they're not going to point people to Christ because they're not a believer. So therefore I don't necessarily need to be sending a whole lot of warfare their way because I know that they're not a threat to the mission because the enemy's mission is to steal, to kill and destroy and to get in the way of people spending eternity with Christ. And one of the biggest tactics that the enemy uses to slow believers down and make them ineffective in their work is fear and doubt. And fear and doubt, they tend to lead to passive action or no action at all. I mean, think about it. Uh, we'll, we'll even use uh, the perspective of business. If the Lord may, laid a business idea on your heart, but you were filled with so much fear and so much doubt, that you couldn't even take action on it, that would likely make you ineffective in your business. Or maybe you would take such passive action that you actually never actually made any headway to accomplish the assignment that the Lord had for you in that business. Friend, fear and doubt are tactics of the enemy to, to disarm believers. And this leads me to point number two of why I think that so many believers have a hard time when it comes to business is, have you ever noticed a lack of boldness in the body of Christ? Like, like one of the reasons that I think people have thriving businesses, whether they're a believer or not, is because they have this boldness about them. They have the audacity to believe that they can actually go and do the thing and accomplish what they're setting out to do. If we are consumed with fear and doubt, which is from the enemy, we are going to lack boldness and authority. I have a few verses here on boldness and authority that I wanted to read to you. 2 Corinthians 3.12 Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And lastly, Luke 10, 19, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. So friends, I have a question for you. If unbelievers can act so boldly and with so much authority in their business and that boldness and that authority is not even founded on Christ, then how much more boldly can we come forward and with how much more authority do we have as believers in our business knowing that the boldness and authority that we have comes from Christ? This morning, I read the verse of the day. I don't know if you guys get the verse of the day uh, through the Bible app on your phone, but I pulled up my phone this morning and I read it. And to be transparent with you, I actually sat down to outline this episode yesterday. Like 
Yes, it was Labor Day weekend, and um, that's part of the reason why this was pushed back. Also, I just, I was struggling with this episode to outline it. And this morning, when I saw the verse of the day, the Lord gave me a lot of revelation on how to approach this episode. I want to read the verse of the day to you, and then I'm going to break down how this is relevant to today's podcast episode. Ephesians 5.1, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children. Friends, we are God's dearly loved children. And you may be saying, well, duh, Cammie, like I I know that. And friend, you may know that, but do you understand what that truly means to be God's dearly loved children? Sometimes I think that we see God only as a king and a ruler and somebody who is just and somebody who's going to judge the world. And he is all of those things. In addition to that, he is also Abba, Father. The Bible describes God as both a lion and a lamb. He is powerful and just and fair and cannot unite with evil. And he is also gentle and kind and forgiving. And I think that that is really hard for us to wrap our human brains around, especially when we as believers seem to be suffering so much in this world. Studies show that actually uh, we tend to view God in the same light that we view our earthly father. So if you had an earthly father that was maybe really authoritative or maybe wasn't really gentle or wasn't really kind, it is possible that perhaps that's the way that you are viewing your heavenly father. And friend, you need to know that our heavenly father, he is perfect And he is just and he is kind and he is gentle and he loves us beyond our human understanding. You know, this this podcast is called The Bible's Babies. (laughs) and business podcasts. Almost everybody I, I I would think that's listening to this podcast is either a mother already or desires to be a mom. And if you are a mother already, or maybe you're like me and you're about to walk into that season, you understand the concept of a motherly love, of what it looks like to look at your child and love them was just so, so much, so just unconditional love where like there's nothing that they could ever do to make us turn away from them. And I want you to help use that perspective to try and capture a glimpse of the Lord's love for us. Because if we humans can are imperfect and we can love our children with so much um, unconditionalness, then how much more can our heavenly father who is perfect, who is love, he created it. How much more does our heavenly father love us? The Bible says, um, you know, if we humans who are sinful creatures can give our children good gifts, then how much more will our heavenly father provide and give to us? And I think sometimes maybe this is just me, but sometimes I think we can, we can get our minds twisted in thinking that God is somehow out to get us, that he is searching the world, looking for somebody to punish, and that maybe that's why your business isn't thriving. And friend, can I just come and speak against that lie in your head today? If that's you, if you're believing that, well, God just doesn't want me to thrive. No, that's a lie from the enemy. As much as you delight in seeing your children thrive, like maybe they kicked a, a goal on the soccer on the soccer field, or maybe they came home and they were so proud because they, they got a great grade on their test, or maybe they just, they had a milestone of, of whatever reason, and you, does, you, you get so happy seeing them thrive and watching them accomplish and learn and grow, 
The Father delights in us in that way and so much more. He's not out to get you. He's not out to make your business fail. That is a tactic and lie of the enemy to get you to stop pursuing the business, to be ineffective in the business. But friend, know that the Father's heart is only love. All good things come from the Father. So friend, I want to summarize this episode for you and then leave you with a little bit of encouragement at the end and then we're going to wrap up. The first point to summarize is understand that there are spiritual battles going on around you that we cannot see and we do not fully understand. Again, the the, the Bible tells us that we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but of principalities and powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age. So recognize that there is a very real spiritual battle happening It's not always something that is apparent to us. Just like in the book of Job, Job had no idea what was going on, that this this battle was happening um, up in the heavenly realms, okay? And as believers, we need to understand that we are a threat to the enemy. So we need to put on the full armor of God, knowing that there are going to be spiritual attacks against us and against our business. The second thing I wanted to point out is that we need to embody all of the boldness and authority that Christ has given us. Friends, we need to throw off fear and doubt. Those are from the enemy because we have every reason to be confident. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us for goodness sake. We have every reason to be confident, every reason to be bold, every reason to stand in the authority that God has given us and to take that into our businesses, full knowing that we are here on mission for the kingdom. And lastly, friend, I just challenge you this week to sit down and in a non-judgmental way, just observe what are your beliefs about the Lord and are they actually true? Are you seeing God in the same light as maybe you're seeing your earthly father who perhaps was, was wonderful, but wasn't perfect like our heavenly father is. And I would ask you to ask God, God, are there any lies that I'm believing about you? that are holding me back and recognize that your father loves you. Your heavenly father is perfect and he desires to see you succeed just like you desire to see your children succeed. And this this is not some crazy prosperity gospel, but just the way that you smile at your child when your child is thriving in an area so much so the Lord is smiling down on you when he sees you thriving in the areas of life that he's called you to. So we can be confident that God is not out to get us. He's not just waiting to punish us every time we slip up. He's not out to destroy our business. He delights in seeing us produce good things. So I wanted to, to leave you with two, uh, two verses that I felt were really encouraging. The first one is Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I think about this a lot when I think about the assignment that the Lord has given me. I truly believe that the Lord has given me the assignment of this business and that this is the race that he's asking me to run with perseverance. Which leads me to the last verse, which is Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 
Friend, the enemy wants you to give up. The Lord wants you to keep going, to persevere, to see the harvest of the fruit from the seeds that you are planting right now. I hope that this episode encouraged you. And if it did, I would love to know about it. Would you slide into my DMs on Instagram? Let me know that you listened to this episode and what it brought up for you, what revelation the Lord uh, ministered to your heart through this episode. It would be so, uh, so awesome. And what a pleasure it would be to chat with you about this. I love you and I'll see you on Monday. Hi, friend. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bibles, Babies, and Business podcast. If you learned something from today's episode, or if it blessed you in any way, I would love to know. You can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review, and I may just read your review on the show. Thank you again for being here, and I pray that God would fill you with peace in your faith, your motherhood, and your business, because you were made for this.